What's up, everybody, and welcome to the season premiere of season three of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, something a little different there about our intro. That's right. The big announcement that we... My voice dropped a little bit. Exactly. Taylor went through puberty, everybody. We finally Uh, did it. About time. curious case of the (laughs) (laughs) 28-year-old. No, we are beyond thrilled to share that we have a new co-presenter of this podcast, the Charging Buffalo. We are, like I said, just so excited to be a part of the network. Pretty much to give a little bit of a backstory on this we uh, what was it taylor like just earlier in the summer had made some contact with them um with jared who who heads up the charging buffalo who i'm sure many of you who are listening right now follow him if not all of you and if you don't make sure you're going to follow jared he is just one of the best follows and and buffalo sports twitter but he runs up the charging buffalo we both had been mutuals with him for quite a while um last season we were trying to get him to come on and we actually had a couple of episode scheduled where we were supposed to have them and then on both ends there was just some scheduling conflicts so it never ended up happening but we always keep in touch a bit and conversations kind of started to happen where we knew coming into this season we wanted to have a new co-presenter for the podcast and the charging buffalo just naturally i think made a lot of sense to both of us i mean we both followed the platform for for quite a, a long time really um since it pretty much began and have always, you know, been a big fan of the work they've been doing along with some of the folks who make up the Charging Buffalo. For those of you who have been listening to this show for the past couple of years, you have definitely heard us have both Bill and Walt on, Walt being Sabermetrics, of course, both from the Charging Buffalo. So good friends. And we had, we had them on at the same time at one point. We did. Uh, we had our trivia episode with them, our, our drinking trivia episode, which was a, right. a real hoot. We'll have to get that going again now. A real success uh, for us. I would say so. We, we dominated there. You know, <laughs> it was foreshadowing. We needed to get in on this, but yeah. no. So uh, we, again, are, are just so excited to be a part of the charging Buffalo and, and the many great content creators over there, both in terms of the, the podcasting realm. And then also in, in terms of the, the written realm, um, a lot of great writers over there. And so, yeah, this kind of all just came together and we had a nice little meeting with uh, with Jared and our heads over at the Hockey Podcast Network. And, and here we are now. We, we are now co-presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. So for those of you who may be listening to us for the first time and you've never heard of us before, but you've been followers of the Charging Buffalo, welcome. We are so excited to have you on board. Hopefully you'll stick with us through this season, you know. I think nobody's hiding away from the fact that it it is looking on the surface like it's going to be pretty rough this year, but we do a pretty good job of keeping things light while also diving into the numbers, making it interesting and and having some fun along the way as well. That's right. Anything to add there to that ramble? I just Well, very uh, excited. Uh, Hopefully we'll be seeing more video stuff of us this year, uh, different breakdowns of our podcast, Uh, but we'll also hopefully have quite a few guests on that contribute to the charging Buffalo, maybe not even just Walter and Bill. Uh, but, you know, obviously we're going to be doing our St. Bonaventure basketball season preview with Bill at some point. Uh, that'll be, I don't know, a few months from now. But it will, hopefully we have a few guests on from them, I'm sure, in the, in the coming months, uh, since the season is less than a month away. Uh, but so not that's not the only news in Sabres land, it turns out. There's actually quite a bit of news. A lot. Uh, would you, would you want to kind of uh, give a lay of the land with what's yeah. happened these uh, in, the, in the three days since we've talked to the people? Yeah, absolutely. So really the big news came out of both Kevin Adams and head coach Don Granado's uh, season opening press conferences coinciding with the start of training camp. Training camp got underway this past week. Uh, 
Sunday night, as actually we're recording this right now, I believe that the blue and gold scrimmage had just wrapped up. So continuing to plug along there, but really the news came out of Kevin Adams' comments, of course, regarding Jack Eichel. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, this season is is going to, as much as it's going to, you know, be about the youth movement and the guys that is a... going to step up, it's going to be about Jack Eichel until this trade goes down. We have been just talking about this and talking about this and talking about this for months now, all through the summer. It was the majority of the episodes that we had to round out season two were all about this just cloud that is hanging over the franchise right now that they just... Two things. One, cannot seem to find a trade partner, and even before that happens, cannot seem to come to a resolution on what is going to happen with his neck. Now, as we all know, the Sabres and Eichel are disputing right now because the Sabres want Eichel to have the fusion surgery, right? And then Eichel wants to have a full uh, a disc replacement surgery. So there's a disconnect there where the Sabres and their doctors have been pretty headstrong in this. Eichel has been claiming that him and his personal doctors think that this disc replacement is the way to do it. And there doesn't really seem to be a resolution. And you would think that a team that is trying to trade with the Sabres on this has an opinion strongly one way or another or thinks that they'll be able to get through to Eichel to just get a resolution to this, get him out of Buffalo and eventually see what the return is going to be. In reality, Jack Eichel is probably the most valuable player that the Sabres have been able to shop around or have on the market probably since Dominic Hasek. So you're expecting to have a really big return for him. At least. Oh yeah. I mean, if Hasek's any indication, well, yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, that was a bad setup. No, knock on wood. Uh, so with that being said, though, you know, you would think on the surface that with a player as talented as Eichel, who is undeniably when at full strength, a top 10 player in this league, not even center top 10 player in this league, an MVP candidate and a well over a point per game player who is defensively responsible as well, who is still very young, who has reasonably uh, a pretty reasonable cap hit right now, especially when you take a look at it, what it would be in terms of the percentage of the cap for whatever team ends up acquiring him and the way that the cap will eventually grow over the coming years as Eichel is signed for six more years at $10 million a year. So all of these things are lining up and you would think that teams would want to do this, but of course there is a lot of pause there when it comes to the neck injury and just having a bit of, of, of hesitancy there. Um, and that is really what has held up this trade from happening, because if you have a healthy Jack Eichel on the trade market, the Sabres should, without question, be able to ask for pretty much almost whatever they'd want to. Um, but of course, as I had said, the neck is really keeping him from that. So at this point, there's really nothing new on that front. And before we get into Adam's comments, I think we can just kind of, since we're talking about the trade rumors and everything, we can kind of just quickly dip into that as there were a couple of notes that had come up through the weekend. Uh, Nick Caprios who I believe is uh, Caprios. Ottawa, right? I think he covers. Um, he had tweeted over the weekend, quote, Eichel has made it clear he's willing to go anywhere to facilitate a trade. One of the half dozen teams involved telling me a trade is doable as long as the Sabres are willing to add conditional clauses around how he performs after the surgery, i.e. games played, scoring, etc." That is the first note. The second one comes from Elliot Friedman who had said on Sportsnet last week also that there are around 15 teams, 15, that were really talking to the Sabres about Eichel, and that number has decreased. Uh, and he heard that a couple of weeks ago that there were a couple of teams interested. Now it seems that everybody from that original group is starting to wait again. So the interest is there. I think it really just comes down to the Sabres, you know, not pulling the trigger on a move that Kevin Adams feels as though they are not 
getting an adequate return for. So we have talked about this recently a lot, Taylor, and I'm curious for your thoughts because there's a fine line that you have to walk in a situation like this where you, on the one hand, want to make sure that you are getting an ample return back for Jack Eichel. Granted, we don't know necessarily what that could mean. You know, I, you and I have talked at length about how we both feel that Quinton Byfield and Trevor Zegras should absolutely be on the table due to the fact that both Byfield and Zegras is peak you know, hitting their, their, their potential when they were drafted, what people projected for them, their best case scenario is turning into a healthy Jack Eichel. So they should be on the table, but again, the neck injury, we get it. People are, are kind of turned off by that. So there's this line that you have to walk. Sexy. Trying, right. Super. No trying to protect yourself and making sure that you are getting an adequate return while at the same time, you know, that you have to manage this asset properly because there's no trade mint clause there's no trade uh, or modified. No trade kicks in uh seven one twenty two of next year which is going to limit their options for a trade and also you know he's not around the team he failed his physical so he's not reporting or anything like that but undeniably this is going to be a cloud that's hanging over this locker room until he ends up getting traded so given what we know based off of those two reports and just where the situation stands right now taylor how are you feeling about this situation do you feel that kevin adams has pressure on to make a move or do you think that it's more important that he holds strong until they find a, a resolution that oh absolutely I, I i'm in, definitely invested in holding strong here it's just really uh annoying that these are happening I, I feel like it hasn't even been said enough that these two things are are happening at the same time that you have to trade you have to trade jack like which I don't know if we fully grasp how insane that is uh, after all the Sabres went through to be, they have even have the right to draft him uh, for how incredible he was when he was healthy here <laughs> that they, they've been so bad that he just doesn't even want to be here anymore. And at the same time, the same goddamn time, he also has a neck injury. He couldn't have just been a, a, a normal hockey player and like torn his ACL or broke his wrist or had an Achilles injury, or a concussion, or something else that gets better. He has to have the most perilous of all injuries. Is it not it, the most Buffalo thing ever? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's not, like, what we're talking about here is an injury, I mean, I guess to be fair to him, that will will affect the rest of his life. I mean, maybe if, if things go well, and I hope, I, I, I think he, you know, has hope that the correct surgery that he wants would be a one and done and he wouldn't have to worry about it anymore who knows but this is this is an insanely serious thing and it, it just so happens to be happening at the same time that he wants out and so, with with less than a year obviously like you said uh from his no trade calls i mean we're less than we're roughly nine months away from his no trade kicking in so it, the, the trade will have to happen in those nine months which sounds like a joke but like yeah, but the other thing is like like you've kind of laid out there i don't really know what happens going forward is it, I think it's going to have to come down to someone blinking. Yep. Uh, one of the parties, which I, I don't, I don't really have a grasp of who that is. I mean, I kind of leaning Michael's camp will blink and just do the fusion based on um, recent news that no one besides one doctor thinks he should get disc replacement, but he's held out for, I mean, when did he leave the lineup last February? Early March, March mid-March. I think it was in March. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I read too over the weekend, I'm not sure if you saw this either, but I believe where a, a big disconnect is between Jack and the team is that when it comes to these two surgeries with the fusion surgery that the Sabres want to do in most cases, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but in most cases there are pretty much like 10 year check-ins 
after the time of the surgery. So there's a chance that 10 years from now, he would have to potentially go under the knife again and just during his career. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like for the next 10, you know, 10 years then, I mean, and then 10 years after that, you would think that he'd be retired by that point. But then on the other side of it with the disc replacement surgery, there isn't that factor that you'd have to worry about there. But again, though, we're talking about something that's as delicate as a neck. So it's not exactly like, it's the kind of thing that you're okay with putting up the chance, I guess. I mean, disclaimer for everybody, for all of our new listeners, neither Taylor nor myself have medical degrees. I'm um, working on it though. We're, we're trying here. We're trying to really to up our podcast cred, but neither of us do. So, you know, it's tough for us to kind of speak on that, but I don't know. To me, it's, if the majority of doctors are, are telling you that one way is significantly better than the other way, you know, I mean, that kind of says something there in and of itself. And one of the things that you and I had talked about too, when this had kind of, this whole dilemma had first started with this was the fact that, is this something that Eichel is maybe just using as like a bargaining chip that he is like, you know, seemingly being headstrong about wanting to get this surgery as a way to force the Sabres hand for trying to trade him. But if that was the case, that is clearly backfired as the Sabres have not been able to trade him. Seemingly, there has not been a team that's been comfortable enough to be able to take the plunge and and make a move for him. But what I do want to say, though, is from the Sabres end of this, when it comes to a trade, the, the key piece of what I think that they need to be getting back in this deal, and this isn't breaking news. I mean, everybody probably feels this way. Is a That's key, right. It's Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic, everybody. Yes. Got to get grittier to face Ryan Reeves in New York. No, we need to get a blue chip, like high end centerpiece prospect or young player for Eichel in return. That needs to be at the centerpiece of any deal. And that is very, that should be very much on the table when we're talking about a team like Anaheim. Trevor Zegras or Jamie Drysdale, I mean, definitely more so Zegras should definitely be on the table. When we talk about Vegas, Peyton Krebs absolutely should be on the table. And this isn't even including any of the like supplemental players. You know, in the case of Anaheim, you have a guy like Max Comtois who would seemingly make sense to be thrown into a deal like this as a good up and coming young player. You know, Vegas would be maybe a guy like Alex Tuck, or if you want to go for somebody on the younger side, you could go Brendan Brisson there a little bit so that we can up our Brendan cred here in Buffalo big fan of that potentially, you know, Peyton we haven't had a good, have the Sabres ever had a good Brendan? I don't think so. I don't. And that's, it, it makes me very sad. It's, it's not cool. I don't think the bills really have either. I, I need a little bit more uh, representation here from, from the Buffalo sports community. Cause yeah, we're lacking you know, the Brendans. The Sabres haven't had a good Taylor in quite a while. Well, Taylor for doing was fine, I guess. Yeah. It's been a while since Taylor Pyatt. I don't know. No other Taylors come to mind though. We haven't had a Taylor since Taylor Fadoon. Same. There's nobody else we've had named Taylor. No, never heard of him. I I am. I mean, obviously today it's uh, probably not news to anyone who uh, is a Buffalo sports fan, but the bills are two and one after beating uh, one of the kind of more forgettable sports Taylors. I was kind of on his side for a little while, but uh, I don't think he has a career in front of him. Not I'm, so much. I'm not super impressed. He's kind of a mediocre tailor. Um, not unlike me. You are so. not. You are a superior tailor for what it's worth. And that's that on that, sir. Not on football. Not on football, but in other things. <laughs> but to, to, to round off my point, though, to, sorry for getting off track there. Mm-hmm. But the key piece of what they should be looking for is that high-end guy and then your supplemental guys that you're adding in. If we're talking about with draft choices, 
I don't have a problem adding conditions onto that that are going to be based on the amount of games that Eichel plays, the amount of points if he hits certain thresholds there. I have no problem with that if that gets a deal done because while I agree, it is important that they absolutely should be hanging on and be waiting for the best possible offer that they can get. At the same time, you can't let something little you know, be a holdup in this process. I mean, if we're talking about trading him to Anaheim, for example, again, this, they're a team that's been brought up pretty frequently in terms of these discussions. You know, if we're talking about a conditional pick there, I think that that has way more, it, it holds a lot more weight, I guess, or is much more, I guess, important to think about if we're talking about conditions there, where if it's like a top 10 protective pick, because there is a decent chance that Anaheim might be bad, even with Jack Eichel on their team. I mean, look at the Sabres. Yeah. As as things currently stand, I think Anaheim is the most likely team besides the Sabres to finish last. Right. And if we're talking about like somebody like Vegas though, for example, as a possibility, that doesn't bother me as much if you're telling me that we have to do like a top, like a lottery protected pick and then it just gets bumped back a year or something like that. Yes. That I have no problem with because either way, more likely than not, it's going to end up being a later round pick to begin with. And also oh, yeah. for what it's worth, that can even, you know, uh, work to the Sabres advantage too. I just, this is totally going off of like a feeling thing. Again, this is not me being speaking like I'm a, a doctor or know anything of what I'm talking about in this realm, but like, Something just tells me that this dude is going to get either one of these surgeries. He's going to come back and he's going to be awesome again. I just know it. It's, That's the most it, likely scenario. It is the absolutely the most likely scenario. So I don't know. For me, as long as you're getting one of those key pieces back, who is a body already, like a, an up and coming, let's just call it like a good, like U22 player, we'll say. If one of those guys is coming back and you're getting other pieces, and what the holdup is, is, is throwing conditions on a first round pick to be top or like lottery protected or top 10 protected, something like that. I say, just pull the trigger at that point. I mean, obviously within reason, like I said, each circumstance is going to be different, but to me, that's not something that at this stage of the game, you should let be a holdup because if you're getting guys back who you want, I mean, you're talking about a lottery ticket anyways. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Taylor? I mean, so it's, it's hard when dealing with these trades, we've been dealing with them for quite a while. Uh, but it's hard to know now what the Sabres should be doing because it's it's impossible to know when Eichel will look normal. But honestly, like there's a good chance that's after his no trade kicks in, which yep. like I was kind of hitting at before, this could not have happened at a worse time for the Sabres. But I don't, I don't, I don't think you, I don't, I'm still on like the, uh, the idea that you can flip him. I mean, conditional picks wise, like you said, Anaheim, I uh, wouldn't be in- interested in a conditional pick because the the aim of trading with Anaheim would be that you'll get a top three pick. Right. Vegas, obviously, that's different. But like even with those trades, people are saying Peyton, Peyton Krebs is untouchable in an Eichel trade. That's a, absurd. Absurd. Well, if that's if that's the case, then the, the trade just isn't happening. And that's the same with if I mean Byfield. Maybe that trade could happen without Byfield. Maybe. Well, if you're Anaheim, one of Zegers or Drysdale is coming back. Probably Zegers. The Sabers would be interested in. If they're because you know, I mean, Zegers is more of a need right now for the Sabres. Uh, yeah. but like, if you're like that kind of deal, yeah, then he has to be, or else if if they're not confident, Eichel being healthy enough to give up a decent trade for him, then don't do it. You can, I, I'm confident that at some point in the next nine months, you can find a trade with someone who is confident enough in Eichel 
to give up a decent enough haul, 60% of what they wanted. Probably not, you know, obviously we all would have loved to have like Byfield and Turcotte and uh, Drysdale and Zegris, Jack Hughes and New Jersey's first rounder, you know, uh, whatever Boston is offering. Jake DeBruskin a third. Jesus. Uh, I mean, Jeremy uh, Swayman in a conditional seventh. Yeah. Well, they love, they love uh, talking about trading Jake DeBrusque. You know who isn't interested in that? The other 31 teams. <laughs> it seems like. Because uh, DeBrusque, uh, been on the market for two years, really, on the on the trade, the trading market, and no one has traded for him. Mm-hmm. But like, it makes sense. Boston is going to, Boston doesn't have a second line center currently. And after next year, they might not have a first line center. They might not have a real center. It'll be, they have Charlie Coyle. Mm-hmm. Bergeron is seemingly no guarantee to play past this year. So Boston should want to trade for him, but what do they have to give up? Nothing I, I want. No, unless they're going to be like, we'll give you our next seven first round picks. Yeah, literally though. There, there's nothing. Honestly, I don't think that there is one offer short of like David Pasternak that I would even consider from Boston. Well, obviously not going to do that. Um, but what about McAvoy? McAvoy would no, be I, our best defenseman by like 10 miles. He would, but. I would, I, I'm, I, I'm, this is probably a hot take for most Avers fans. I would do McAvoy for Eichel today straight up. Come on. Not because it's a fair trade. It's not a fair trade. Sabres aren't going to get a fair trade. So I, instead of getting a prospect, even though I want these prospects, obviously, uh, or a first-round pick, just get a defenseman who's almost Norris caliber. I mean... Uh, obviously, I like Eichel better than McAvoy. But this that's is not, not the situation the I want to be in. Well, of course not. I'm saying more so I think I would lean more towards seeing what you can get for a center because that is much, much more of a dire need right now. Than then, on the, you know, on the you know then we could, <laughs> what's even harder is that we, Owen Power could be a trade ship at that point. People oh, are going to say Darlene's a trade ship, Darlene, whatever. But at that point, I don't know, have a good defense like Nashville did. I mean, you can be boring and win it. I, I guess I'll accept that at this point. Be a boring team yes. that wins. What am I saying? Yeah, right. How am I being picky right now? We haven't made the playoffs and since the Obama administration. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want the North. Since his first term, by the way. Jesus Christ. Not even the election year. Well, that makes me feel horrible. Anyways. (laughs) So so why don't we stick with Michael and talk about this whole. Oh, go ahead. You got something you want to add? Yeah, well, I probably I think it's what you're getting at. I so I'm I'm not a big fan of the way Michael has uh, comported himself. Oh, that's a word. Anyway, he hasn't been cool uh, <laughs> these past couple months. Bad. I don't think he's yeah, and I don't know if he was ever a guy that was really a captain type material. Even though you kind of have to, you know, have your best player be your captain. Uh, I don't think that the Sabers uh, did the right thing. By I think stripping it, him of it, or how they did it, how they did it, because I, you don't have to actually strip him of the captaincy. He's never going to play again. So what? First of all, you don't have to say anything to anyone except the team. The team. You go out, you can tell them, Don Granato can tell them, here's the four assistant captains. Eichel's more than likely not playing for us this year. You guys are the leaders, which they know. They know Eichel's not playing. It's not any kind of secret to them. So here's, they can say that this is our leadership group, but not only stripping him of his captaincy and doing it publicly. First of all, I don't see how that helps you with the trade, but it also just, it just, it look makes you look like a liar when you have to stand up there because they have to, the Sabres have to sell to the public that the, the surgery they want Eichel to get is not just their best interest. It's in Eichel's best interest. And it doesn't, 
it's hard to sell that when you're also being like, by the way, he, he's a shitty leader, you know, no captain. It's not what they said explicitly, but it sends a message when you strip him of the captaincy and you do that publicly. You announced that no one asked. No one asked them to do that. And they just but, did that. That was a really it's a, it's not a huge deal. It's not it doesn't change anything, but it's not a good idea to do that. So I agree and disagree with you. I personally think that doing it, making an announcement about it was a good idea. But I think that given the context of the situation and the way that they handled it, it was done very poorly. So in my opinion, they're going to get asked about this no matter what. Somebody, if Adams didn't say it there, it would have been one of the first questions that he would have got, is Jack Eichel still the captain of the Buffalo Sabres? So you need to address it. And in my opinion, I don't disagree in being proactive in saying in a prepared statement to the media about it. But what I didn't like was two things that you had touched on. One being the one that, well, the one that you had touched on, one you didn't touch on. The thing you touched on that really bothered me is them saying that they're trying to do this and that they're working in Jack's best interest, which is just complete bullshit. You guys have been, they've been both going back and forth all summer, throwing each other under the bus. And for Kevin Adams to still say, you know, we know what's best for you. Like we know what's best for you and your body and like this and that it's just, it's bullshit. No, you, that is absolutely not coming from a place of trying to look out for the player. You're doing it because you're trying to come and, and handle it from your own personal best interests. So don't try and like, you know, put lipstick on a pig or whatever and, and make this be like something that it's not like be straightforward about it. They, they've been throwing pot jets at each, shots at each other all summer, both Eichel's camp and the Sabres. And I just think that Adams continuing this charade of saying that they're trying to do what's best for Jack is it's just a load of shit. The other thing I didn't like is where Adams goes on to say, from our perspective, the captain is your heartbeat of your team. And we are in a situation where we felt uh, needed to make that decision. So he also went on to announce, I'm, I, I believe him or Granado had said that they're not going to have a captain this year, which is the move to go. You should not have a captain this season. You don't need to have one. No doubt about it. I don't like adding that on to the end. Um, the way that I look at it, and this is just like my PR brain thinking about it, uh, what I think would have been the way to do to handle this is you have Adams go out there and you say, Jack Eichel is no longer the captain of the Buffalo Sabres. This is something that is undeniable, but we do not foresee him wearing a Buffalo Sabres uniform again. Thank you for your time. Like we thank Jack for his time as captain, but the team needs to move on into a new direction now. That's it. Keep it short and sweet. Nothing about being the heartbeat of the team or anything like that. Just say, this is something that we knew we were going to have to address. We want to do it now, nip it in the bud. And then that's it. And that's the end of it. Not yeah. make it more than it is Not make it some, uh, you know, feeding into the drama of this entire situation. It, it, that's all it should have been. And I think that they were right to do that from the get-go. I don't necessarily think that they maybe needed to do it in the opening press conference for the season, but you were going to have to do it at some point in the preseason. So I guess why not? It's just a matter of how they handled it. I mean, that's with uh, so much of what the Sabres do. A lot of times they just make horrible decisions about things, but sometimes that they do make some, some slightly good decisions. There's always something that needs to come into play that make it be like, Oh, you were so close to being right about this thing or handling this thing correctly, but you just can't do it. Like, for example, like support the troops night or, or hometown heroes night. Great idea. Love to have that January 6th. On my birthday, I thought we were going to do Taylor night. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> but that, again. That, 
but that's because I don't know. That's kind of where I stand. I think that they had to make some kind of an announcement about it. They had to address it. If Kevin Adams didn't say it, it, I guarantee it would have been the first questions asked. One of the first ones, you nip it in the bud, you keep it direct and straight without doing any of the pot shots and continuing on with that. But Adams couldn't help himself and couldn't do it. And I also wouldn't doubt that. I don't know if that's coming from the Pagulas or if it's coming from their media team, who's telling him to say these sorts of things. I don't really know, but like, I'm just over this whole pretending to like actually care about what Jack wants and Jack's best interest in the situation, because it's not They're They care about their own full stop. Yeah. Well, so there was also news we didn't talk about. It's not really news, I guess, more of a, a thing that popped up on social media regarding a different Saber center, briefly a center, I should say, uh, Sam Reinhardt, his, uh, his appearance or wh- whatever you would call it in Sabres embedded, which is a, a video series, but the Sabres embedded about the draft and also the trades that went around, you know, the Sabres through the wrist line and Reinhardt trades around the draft this year. So did you watch it? I did actually. Yeah. So the, I don't know if people know what we're talking about, but they did a, the Sabres produced a video and they had some behind the scenes, like in the, in the room type uh, shots of, you know, the, the war room, different things, obviously nothing too interesting, but it, it involves uh, Kevin Adams calling Reinhardt and telling him he's traded, which by the way, based on the, I think is daylight coming through the windows, the Reinhardt trade happened way before it was announced by the league. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and now it seems like it happened the night before, like when it broke and there was like just no news for who was coming back for like 16 hours. Bizarre. Unless mm-hmm. I'm, unless I'm mistaken and it was the next day, but it didn't seem like that. Uh, but anyway, the next day, Reinhardt called Kevin Adams back and according to Adams told him like, well, he's grateful for being here and that what he wanted to, he wish he could have won here. He, he feels bad. He didn't win here and he wishes he thinks they're going to win going forward. He wishes he's going to be a part of it. And... Yeah. It was a really nice thing. Even Kevin, kind of Adam, Kevin Adams seemed to be kind of really uh, excited about the call. Like, you know, what a nice guy. And in the video, tries telling Terry, the <laughs> just completely blank expression he's like that was a really good call just not even responding not even reacting like he wasn't listening or something (laughs) it's like what is going through his head in that moment kevin adams yes sam just gave me a really nice call terry's just like hamburger hamburger hamburger." no he's mentally whittling a a grandfather clock (laughs) oh man so okay what is the what is your other is there another angle to this did something come out about it or not really no just that that was kind of thing people were talking about on Sabres Twitter, but there was an interesting thing at some point in there. Should have stayed where in, were, you should be the captain right now. I just want to say that. <laughs> should be the captain. Thank you. True. Uh, he said something like Reinhardt and the 14th pick for X. What do you think that was about? Eklund. 100%. I think that was about Eklund. I think they tried to get into the top 10 to get him. But for who, who, who were they trying to trade up with to get Eklund? Anaheim? Maybe Columbus? Where was Columbus in the in the draft? Five, I think. Oh, they took Eklund though. No, San Jose took Eklund. Who did they take? Columbus. Yeah. Um. That's Vanford. right. I forgot. I forgot Eklund fell. Van for thirty seconds, and I'll tell you. Yeah, I I because I have a similar take for Eklund that I had for Cole Caulfield, which so far seems good. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, in twenty nineteen, when Cole Caulfield fell to number fifteen in the draft or whatever he was, way too way too far. Uh, I said that it would look stupid that he fell that far. And in the playoffs, it kind of did. 
going to the Stanley Cup and scoring a bunch of goals and all that. That was cool. Eklund, oh. we will see. Columbus took Kent Johnson. Jesus. Yeah, okay. So he's going to be playing with our friend Owen, right? Oh, yes, he will. And our other almost friend, Matthew. Is there another guy that's playing with them? Uh, Luke Hughes. That's right, Luke Hughes. I keep, I keep forgetting about Luke Hughes. Devils. And also our other friend, the goalie. Eric Portillo. Portillo. I almost said Puntillo, but that's someone. Well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, so uh, additionally, I don't know if this counts as a viral Sabres moment, Sabres Twitter moment, but uh, Greg Buck, formerly of WGR, local funny guy, did a one-minute history of the Buffalo Sabres. Did you see this? I did, actually, yeah. Very funny. I recommend you all go to his Twitter and watch it. Greg Buck used to do – he was a producer for GR for years, and he did a bunch of bits. I, I think I don't know if his name is actually pronounced Buck. It's B-A-U-C-H, uh, but he went as Greg – he he did this bit as Greg Buck, B-U-C-K, the regular way to spell Buck, uh, where he would be like a fake announcer for GR. And it was, it was incredible, <laughs> really high quality stuff for like 10 years worth it. There's, I think most of them are, are on YouTube now, but a uh, very funny guy. And he, uh, he did a good job. I thought with this, uh, this history of the Buffalo Sabres, the one minute history of the Sabres. Funny guy. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I think we have one more serious thing to talk about before we can turn to, you know, a brief, you know, fun ending. So do we want to talk about Kane at all? The but wait, what was the fun ending? Oh, it's a surprise. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know if we wanted to also talk about training camp with the the start of training camp and the lines that have been. Assembled. Let's do that first. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the little heavier stuff after that. Yeah. Um, so we could just get into this briefly. But we had through this week and through the start of training camp, as we had said on Sunday evening, the Sabres held a blue and gold scrimmage, which is our first look of live action of. Really the team playing against each other and more than just drills. Uh, so early look at what some potential lines may be as we are heading into our first preseason games. It seems like the top line is going to be Dylan Cousins centering Jeff Skinner and Victor Olofsson. Second line seemingly will be Middlestat centering Anders Bjork and Tage Thompson. Third line. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> second uh, line. Third line, R2 Roostalainen centering Rasmus Asplund and Vinny Hinostroza. And fourth line, Zemgis Gergensen's centering Drake Cagula and Kyle Opozo. So, Cagula. oh, yeah, baby. So, no code. Not to get ahead of ourselves here because, you know, there may be some movement with these lines. And also there are some, some guys who are potentially on the bubble. I mean, really, I think the biggest bubble player at this point is probably our, our boy rap artist, Drake, um, at least from the forward corpse. I mean, Skinner, Cousins, Olofsson, Asplund, Rusteline, and Hinostroza, Bjork, Middlestat, Thompson, Gergensen, and Opozo seemingly are all locks. You're going to have one guy who's going to be your extra forward. So there's seemingly going to be two spot, two forward spots there. Um, I mean, really does not inspire a lot of confidence. It is not going to be good. I think the one glaring issue right now with this team is that they never ended up signing a center that is essentially going to be able to take the first line tough minutes and just get their teeth kicked in night after night after night to shelter cousins and middle stat a bit. I think that honestly, like they're not going to be good this year. And I, I think barring UPL, just stealing the show and, and stealing the starting job, it's not really going to matter goaltending or anything like that. 
um, really just the development of the young guys is kind of the key thing. And, and within that, you know, cousins and middle stat being our two top centers in the organization right now, my thought is, are they looking to potentially treat this fourth line in a similar way to the log line where they give them these tough matchups, you know, the Gergen oh. line where read, read that line again, it's Gergensen's Opozo and Drake Cagula. Okay. So that is basically it's two thirds of the same line as the log line. Correct. Well, let's call it the dog line, the dog. Wait, Oh, the dog line. Let's go. I could get into that. Okay. Well, All right. well for, I mean, like the dog line is going to be just have like, record-setting negative Corsi numbers this year. Well, yes, uh, bad dog. Here's the thing it, with that line is the – I think we would both agree the most important part of the log line is in the desert right now. Yikes. Bad but true. Really, Larson was the one who carried them from a uh, – basically perform from, – from basically carrying play. It happened because of him, him at center – uh, is a quote unquote fourth line, whatever. It was more than a fourth line, but his performance is what carried them. And obviously, he yeah. and this version of Oposo and every version of Gergensen's not good finishers, but no. they carried play in a big part because of Larson. And we'll see what Gergensen's is like now that he's back. But we, we, I need to see what Drake is like before I get too excited about the dog yeah. line. Well, and again, I mean, if. I don't think that that would be the case. I think that they're going to try and see what the young guys have against these other top teams, but Oh boy, the, the goals and wins above replacement numbers for, for that line. I do not look forward to seeing. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens here. And again, I, I, as one little caveat too, we're going to wait until we do a full on season preview just because without knowing if and when the Eichel trade is going to happen, you would think that the return that you get is going to have an impact on the lineup, not to the point where they would be a playoff team, but we want to at least wait until we get a little bit closer to the start of the season before we make our predictions for how the team is going to do in the event that an Eichel trade does happen and the roster ends up looking a little differently. Moving on to the defensive pairs now. No real surprises at the top with Darlene and Yoki Haru being paired up together, seemingly going to be the top pair coming into the season. Um, Second pair, probably going to end up being Will Butcher and Robert Hag, potentially. And the third pair, which these guys have been put together, and it kind of makes sense, given that they have some offsetting skill sets, Jacob Bryson and Mark Pesek. So I would say, even though the team is going to be really rough this year, I and we've talked about this before, I think the defense is better this year than it was last year. Or actually, and I'm forgetting Colin Miller too. So probably it'll be like Colin Miller and Will Butcher and then Pesic and Bryson maybe on that third pair. So excuse me for that. But I think the D pairings are maybe going to yield better results, maybe not in the win column, but they'll be at least better as a whole. Um, obviously, you know, taking Rasmus just the line and out of the mix is, is a, a huge help to that, you know, but then on the other end of it, losing Jake McCabe, even though he, you know, struggled with injuries last year, McCabe, of course, had a good year and really shined and, and earned a, a chance with Colorado or Colorado, Jesus, with Chicago. Um, I mean, any thoughts on the D pairs at all, Taylor, or is it? Just it, it is. Yeah, it, it's definitely better because I, I would tell someone and this would sound crazy to anyone, but I I was thinking about this 
the defenseman who had the best season for the Sabres last year is Rasmus Dahlin. Now, he was objectively awful for pretty much half the season, but he's the only Sabres defenseman who had a good half of a season, which he had in the Granado half of the season, obviously. Yeah. But you mentioned McCabe. McCabe played, like, what, just over 10 games and was lost for the year? Something like that. Will Borgen looked really good when he came up. He played a half dozen games, basically, and he's also gone. But he he basically, he barely played. Bryson came up, looked interesting. He was uh, thoroughly mediocre, I thought. Samuelson didn't seem to be ready. Matt Irwin, LOL. <laughs> Ristolainen was good when he was playing with McCabe. Your and boy, then- Brandon Davidson. Brandon Davidson doesn't exist. Uh, COVID happened. Ristolainen looked really almost worse than ever by the end of the year. Probably a combination of COVID and coming back down to earth after playing with McCabe. And then Yoki Haru was not not good in the first half and really just fine in the second half. So it comes down to a guy who had an awful half a season was the best defenseman. Now, hopefully now he's playing under Granada full time. It feels basically impossible that he would be as bad as he was in the first half last year. In fact, I think he'll be better than he was in the second half. And then you have Pezek, who's solid, solid as hell. We all remember Pezek. Uh, Butcher's fine. He's also, you know, he's good. He's not going to embarrass himself like a lot of guys did last year. And beyond that, oh, Cal, I didn't mention Colin Miller. I guess you could say Colin Miller had the best season last year, but that almost sounds worse than Darlene. That sound worse. <laughs> so Colin Miller, uh, he's also fine. They want you guys who are fine. I, if, if they're healthy, I don't really think they have anyone where it's like, ugh. Which that was a third, a third of the guys that were in the lineup last year. And we won't have to see too much of Bryson and Samuelson. Like you won't have to see Bryson for, you know, extended periods of Bryson being on the ice. Although, you know, maybe he'll get better too. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Well, to round out that, uh, round out the lineup, I should say the goalies going to come down to Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell and UPL Anderson, somehow was convinced to not retire to come back seemingly to maybe yeah, with money ment- yeah with money to to mentor upl if he ends up making the team out of camp um aaron dell has had stints with uh I, I mean san jose but not exactly uh he's terrible yeah not exactly the starting goalie type um it, I don't know. It's going to be ugly. Like I said earlier in the episode, I think a lot of this is going to come down to if UPL is ready to steal a job or not. And if he doesn't, I think that that is okay. I'm not going to be upset if he doesn't make the team out of camp because I think Rochester is going to be good again. And I think allowing him to have a full professional, because he still hasn't been able to play a full professional season in the AHL yet. So to let him get those reps I think would be good and to be on a winning team. However, at the same time though, I am also conversely not against the idea of him making this team out of camp and just being the backup for the year. I don't know. I mean, we're getting to the point now that, yeah, he's still young, but you're going to want to see what you have with him. And uh, I mean, he's given his draft position, I think maybe more than anything. And also of course, some of his personal accolades, like his stellar performance at the world juniors where Finland was able to win gold. And then also of course, his dominant year in the OHL as the OHL's top goalie for Sudbury. Um, You know, the people were pretty high on him, us included. I think most people generally speaking have pretty high hopes for UPL Maybe it's dwindled a little bit since uh, since the Sudbury days or since, you know, his original draft positioning being a second round pick. But 
I'm okay with seeing what you have. You know, the team's not going to be good, so I know it's not exactly putting him in the best spot, but if he can compete at the NHL level, keep him up here, let him play behind Anderson and get the experience and have him get mentored by a guy who's been in the league for, I think, like four decades now. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 about right, isn't it? I mean, he's been in the league for four decades, but he's been playing pro hockey for four decades, hasn't well, he? Yeah, probably. I mean, I would I mean, yeah. Well, I'm going to look this up, actually, because I he's think actually he might be 72 years old, Taylor. He has been in the league for four decades. All right. Well, I mean, like in four decades. Well, right. Because I mean, well, I'm going to look this up. He, you might actually be right. He might have played in four decades at some level of pro. It really depends if he went to college or was in juniors. <laughs> Let's see. It's definitely he, not. I was obviously being facetious. It's got no, only like two and a half or three. He played professional hockey in four different decades. Come on. Yeah, he played for the uh, so the OHL is professional, kind of because because you get paid. You can't you you can't go to you can't you cannot play in the NCAA after you played in the OHL. Okay, okay, that's fair. Some level, anyway. Whatever he played there in, starting in 1998, he played for the Guelph Storm. So that's four decades. Wow. Wow. Of some level of pro or high level hockey. Well, good for yeah. him. Good for good for Craig Anderson. Yeah, seriously. When did he get drafted? He got drafted in 1999. Wow. So he's been Damn. a pro for four decades. That is remarkable. Good for him. Well, as he we looks said, and healthy. Good for Craig Anderson. Still, still kicking it at 40 plus. Good for him. Yeah. Well, not much more to say right now, at least, you know, we'll see how the next week of practices go and everything. And we'll be back with another episode on Thursday. We're not wrapped. We're just, we're not wrapping up with the episode yet, but we're wrapping up with at least this segment. So, we will, we'll come back to this, of course, you know, I mean, we'll be putting out episodes again for those of you who may be new uh, twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. So you'll be hearing from us very often throughout the season here, and we'll be able to keep very nice and close with what is going on right now uh, with the Sabres and, and really what's to come for what is going to be a very, very interesting and unconventional season. Do we want to transition now, Taylor? Yes. Let her rip. Well, so uh, we briefly mentioned Evander Kane, former Sabre, last episode. So even worse stuff really came out since then. Uh, there's, a, I believe, an athletic story it was, or maybe, no, maybe it was someone else, not the athletic. Uh, but it basically someone looked into the affidavit that his wife has for, I believe, it, it's either a lawsuit or it's his divorce trial. It might be a custody battle. I don't remember exactly what it was, but what was laid out in there was some pretty serious accusations about him physically abusing her, sexually oh, abusing her. Jesus. In, in, in a way, I can't, I don't want to say all the things that, that are alleged there, but like some of the stuff is just so heinous that I think it makes sense uh, that San Jose is not allowing him to training camp. I mean, obviously there's a million things going on to Vander King at any given time, but this stuff is, it's so bad that you have, you honestly have to read it to believe it. And to, I guess, understand the gravity of why you might never see him play pro hockey again. Very likely at this point, he's coming off a season where he led his team in points, not a good team, but he's a good player still. And he's a guy that like over the course of, you know, a full season would, have potentially been 
I don't know, in line for 30 plus goals, all this stuff. Like he's the kind of guy that he's not quite an all-star level guy, but he's like, he's legit. And he gets paid 7 million a year. He's a, an important player uh, on the ice. And I got to say, I'm not confident you'll ever see him play in the NHL again. And I do not believe in the NHL generally. I, I don't trust him very much in terms of doing the right thing in terms of how guys play, but this there's, there's just so much going on. And also the fact that these accusations, uh, they, I, I can't, I don't even, they're, they're, they're so bad. I don't even know what you can say about some of them. Honestly, the, I think the only real, th- the only thing that comes to mind when thinking about this is in the vast majority of cases like this, when it comes to domestic violence and stuff like this, the a person doing the accusing is, is far more likely than not being truthful about it. Yeah. And should that be the case, that dude should never step foot on in an NHL rink again never step on the ice suit up for another team again. And that's like the bare yeah. minimum. That's that, yeah. that is only in the professional sense. Like there, there's because there, the there laws no, should be doing a lot of work, uh, you know, with some but, of this stuff, but there's I mean, no criminal charges God. being filed. Cause there's no, there's no criminal accusations. These are all, this is all part of uh, his divorce. So there's no, there's no law enforcement involved investigating any of this i know there's, just, no, that's there's right. no question so it's, it's really all the nhl and the sharks is, though, yeah is all i'm saying like oh for sure and when it comes down to it honestly i think a lot of this will come down to the fact that his teammates hate him and don't oh, want yeah. him there anymore like we talked about this before he's he's out, he's in bankruptcy court also right now mm-hmm. he he has a the whole issue with like i said his teammates hating him and then he's got he's he's this i mean it's just there's a lot to the point where it's just like even with his talent, I don't think people are just going to want to deal with it. No, why would you? Yeah, I mean, dude, this is in in Buffalo. It was interesting too because you know we had just gotten him from Winnipeg, and that was on the heels of the whole shower jumpsuit situation with Dustin Bufflin, and so well, it didn't seem Buff- so bad. It seemed like bullshit. Right, he comes to Buffalo. You think he's going to get a fresh start, and I mean, the guy just could not keep himself away from trouble like and and, and just because he, he is the trouble yeah exactly that's what i mean like it, it was just like accusation after accusation and i mean well there's smoke you know, there's i think towards the end it was getting to a point where a lot of people were like this is just like not a good dude and then he goes to san jose seemingly you know being around the veteran locker room as it always is the case when anybody who's ever maybe labeled as like a a locker room problem goes to a, a veteran team where you hear the feel good stories of all oh, they're embracing him and he's embracing them. And the veterans are taking him under his wing and changing his ways and this and that and the other. And then it just, again, comes back to this shit that we just know all too well at this point. I mean, it, it's beyond disappointing. And to be honest, dude, like I don't even want to talk about it because the dude sucks. Like, it, it's bullshit and it's horrible. And as you had said, it's like heinous and disgusting. Yeah. It's a, uh, well, anyway, I recommend anyone who hasn't read up on this, at least read about it. Happy yeah, Monday, you know, everybody. Yeah, seriously. Just Google it. But anyway, moving on from the, the negative stuff. Yes. So I have an answer to a question you asked two episodes ago. Oh, is this the movie star one? Yes. Okay. Give the background first before you answer. Yeah, so two episodes ago, if you didn't listen, Brendan asked basically who is a movie star, actor, whatever, that you can't 
imagine why anyone like would have like you can't imagine having actual fans like a like, yeah exactly and, and you the said example i had said was adrian, adrian brody, brody which i was literally perplexed when i saw that he had over a million followers on twitter oh my god a million jesus yeah i i was i was shocked a million i mean he there's no way he tweets interesting stuff i've never seen him on there i mean anyone who tweets famous any famous person who tweets interesting things you see it all like share you see share stuff all the time, all the time for years. Oh my god! Well, that's fascinating. Anyway, so who's your who's your response? It's a, it's a person that shares a birthday with me. Oh, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. I feel like if we're neglecting like the twelve and up crowd, then like me, yeah, that that sounds about right. I don't think I know any adults who are like all about Eddie Redmayne. Are, do kids like Eddie Redmayne? <laughs> well, wasn't he in like the Fantastic Beasts movie? Uh, kids like Fantastic Beasts. I feel like that's millennial stuff. The kids love Harry Potter, Taylor. It's it's all the rage. The kids love it, or are we the kids? People are age and older. How <laughs> 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 are we? <laughs> well, so he was in uh, Les Mis. I love Les Mis. The musical. Les Mis. Oh, yeah. I've seen a person. Uh, it was very good, and it's my favorite musical. And the movie is not good. Was he Stephen the- Hawking? Two? Yes, that's another thing. That movie sucks. That movie I was nominated that. for Best Picture. It is one of the most boring, and you, it's a useless movie. It doesn't tell you anything. We all know Stephen Hawking was disabled. There's not a, any kind of a surprise to anyone. Like, what's going to happen in this movie? Stephen Hawking going to keep being a normal guy, or is he going to have you know a disease that forces him into a wheelchair? Oh God, you never guess what happens. Right. Like it's, and you you would think in some way it would have to the appeal of the movie would have to be you know something else, but it's not. There's no appeal to the movie, mm-hmm. I guess, except for you know the Oscars voters. God, you know. Redmayne, that's a good one, Taylor. I wasn't expecting you to. I mean, I guess I, I maybe that is the point. Not expecting you to say somebody is exactly the person, right? Apparently, he was in the Trial of Chicago Seven, which is also nominated for Best Picture. I'm never seeing it. That's yeah, that, isn't, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in that. Sasha Baron Cohen played a guy, uh, uh, Abby Hoffman, I think. Abby Hoffman was like 25 when the trial happened. Oh, good. I'm glad that they got a 48 year old man to do it. <laughs> like, it's so weird. It's not uh, even like a 25 year old playing a high schooler. It's like Jesus this middle aged man playing this young hippie uh guy i'm it's, we gotta make this like a running thing where we continue thinking about this and for anybody listening to again any of our new listeners will from time i mean you know at times we'll do specific stuff where we'll ask your guys opinion like to tweet at us and everything but this is something if you're listening right now do some brainstorming tweet us at straight sabers reply to the episode when we tweet it out whatever tweet at us though because i want to think i want to know more names who are celebrities that maybe they're they're good at what they do like i could I don't honestly, I couldn't tell you how good of an actor Adrian Brody is one way or another. I mean, I know Eddie Redmayne, you have a little bit more of a context too. He's a, he's a bigger name there, but he's fine. It's, it's a part of another thing too, where there's just like these like personality free, uh, kind of boring British guys that just dominate American cinema. Like there's so many, it's not, it's not just on the male side. There's a ton of British actors that dominate American cinema, but he is the most bland one. I just, there's, there's no comparison. Well, that's a good, that's a good comparison, at least for right now. So if you could think of somebody like Adrian Brody or Eddie Redmayne, anybody, it could be actor, actress, musician, whoever, who you were just like, how the hell does that person have fans? And not even in like a mean way, just, you just can't 
imagine how somebody that famous has people who are like capable yes. of them. And don't don't say someone who you don't like who has a lot of fans for obvious yeah, reasons. That's the key. Don't say like um uh let's see well, who's a good example here. I don't know. It'll be like gonna John say, Mayer. Like yeah, yeah, okay. I was I want to say like Tim Allen. Like Tim Allen, oh, like you know yeah. who Tim Allen's fan base is. Come on, don't come to me and be like, how does he have fans? Like, you know why he has fans. Right. Um, Racism. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but I have a surprise. Uh-oh. It's a surprise quiz. It's a surprise quiz for the season premiere. Wow, season premiere quiz. This is Guess what? I did not, if I would, if you, you putting it that way kind of clarifies I should have made it a hockey quiz. Oh no, this isn't even hockey related. No, I was just thinking about it the other the other episode and I never got it uh together. Oh, God. Really. But that that makes me think like I'm gonna do a promise right now. I will do a hockey quiz for Thursday's episode. Okay, I'll be ready. Before we do the quiz though, I just wanna get in a word from our sponsors. Tell them. Tell, tell them all about them. That's right. All right. So week three uh of football is in the books in the NFL. And folks, the Buffalo Bills are currently, as we're talking, tied for the best point differential in the NFL. with plus 50. Kansas City who? I, I, I never One heard of them. One and two? Under 500? <clears throat> Couldn't be me. Could New England under 500? Us. Miami just us. lost in, in overtime to the Raiders? Oof. Pittsburgh's one and two? Good Oof. Lord. Oof. Brutal. It's brutal out here. So it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. Folks, I don't think the Bills have much tape to review. They're going to roll the Texans. But everyone else, come on. You got to review the tape. You're, you're looking to bet with DraftKings Sportsbook? Review the tape. Oh, yeah. DraftKings Sportsbook, it's an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So to kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet on the $1. $1 you have to bet on any football game. So listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. Sportsbook is not yet available in your state. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season longs with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what do you got to do? Here's what you do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use their promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game, that's promo code THPN, stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. This week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You have to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT. Sorry, 109 with it, that is. 109 with it. And that's it. So this is a uh, a cinema-related quiz, and I got to say, that's cinema with a C, not cinema with an S. So I have to say, I think this is going to be one of the quizzes that drives you the most insane. Great. I love these so much. And I set a goal hey. for you, though. Your goal that I'm setting for you is to get a 25 points on this quiz I don't, how many questions are there not that many but here's how it's gonna go i'm gonna ask you oh boy you're gonna love this oh the highest God. grossing movie 
every year between <laughs> he's already shaking his head you guys can't see it he's already mad 2011 and 20 sorry yeah 2011 and 2020 we'll have a bonus as well uh and so what i have to so basically what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to say the year if you know just immediately off the cuff in any year that's very helpful you should try to do that you'll get five points but every clue i give you is one fewer point I give you an up to four clues. If I give you four clues and you get it, that's one point. I give you three clues, you get it, that's two points. You kind of see how it goes, right? Yeah. Uh, so the reason I'm starting in 2011 to 2020, aside from the fact that that's 10 years, and that's a nice even number, uh, is that 2010 is too obvious, folks, because a, a movie came out in 2009 you might have heard of at the end of the year. It's pretty popular. It's called Avatar. Uh-huh. You probably don't remember much about it, though, because no one, no one seems to. I don't think I've ever seen or heard of it before. Like the last Airbender. Yeah, I'm just obviously kidding. Okay, go the ahead. The canceled Sorry. Airbender. I'll just shut up. All right. Um. So, you you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you get to 25 points. I feel like I actually can do this because initially I felt like yes, this was going to be stupid and I was going to get pissed off really easily. But I have something really working in my favor. I think. I'm a huge both marvel and star wars fan and there's a big part of me that tells me that a good amount of these answers are going to be between those two franchises oh it'll only make sense right we'll see are we doing in the u.s or in the world domestic gross and within the year that's important so i want you to think about what i said about um avatar avatar made in, in, I don't know, Some like of money. 800 million domestically. Uh, and it, yeah. Okay. It was not the right highest in. grossing movie of 2009. All so, right. So you see what I'm saying? Let's do so, it. So it was the highest grossing movie of 2010, Avatar was. So 2011, I'm starting with 2011. What is the highest grossing movie? Can you get it with no guesses? If I get it wrong on the first guess, do we have to just move on or do I get a hint after? No, no, no. You, yeah. You only guess when you're confident you can get it. You have one guess per year. All so right. you just, if you think you know it, you just say it, but otherwise you use hints. So least. for 2011, we're starting in 2011, you said? Mm-hmm. I am like 95% confident I'm going to be able to get 2012 without even needing a clue. So give me one clue for this one for 2011. It, it's the last movie in an eight movie series Harry Potter. And the Deathly Hollows part two. That's correct. Let's get it, baby. Four points? Five points. Why? I thought that with each clue I get a point. You get four hints. So no no hints is five. Well, sorry, you're right. Four. I forgot about that. You got yeah. a hint. I, yeah, my bad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, four. Points. See, I'm, yeah. I'm going by the honor system here. Yeah, I, I would have given that to you. I didn't even think about it. I, but 2012, yeah, get this one. Okay. 2012, uh, that would be the Avengers that's correct. Uh, do you see it in theaters? No, dude, I was a late bloomer when it came to Marvel. I've liked Star Wars forever, but Marvel was, I, I got into Marvel around the time of, I think, like. Thor, the Dark World. No, it was after that even. I think it was more around like Civil, like before Civil War, probably. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Anyways, though. All right. 2013. 2013. Give me a hint. This is the third movie 
It's it's the third movie in a series. Third movie in a series. All right. Well, that is going to lead me to think that it's probably something action related. My heart is telling me like Fast and the Furious, Furious 27, but I know that that's not it. Um, because I said third. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the third movie of the third trilogy. Uh, no. Um, how about the Hunger Games? What's going on there? Is it the Hunger Games? It isn't. You should have taken more guesses. Damn. What is it? it? Iron Man 3. Really? Oh. Did they even have three Hunger Games movies? They had four. Damn. They okay. Huh? Three books that they stretched into four movies, even though the last book is like 250 pages. Oh, oh God. Okay. It was terrible. Yeah, they really they really botched the ending of Hunger Games. The first two are pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Plus, they had to do the weird thing with Philip Seymour Hoffman being dead. It yeah. Kind of screwed that up. Anyway, 2014. 2014. Give me a hint. Because I think I know 15 and 16. Oh. All and right. maybe 17. Okay. Uh, so your hint for 2014 is this is not a sequel, but part of a larger universe. It's a standalone movie? You're saying? Well... It isn't inherently standalone. I'm just saying it's it was not a sequel to any movie, but it's not a standalone either. It's it is part of a uh, it's related to other movies. Is the first hint. Okay. Um, can you give me another one? This movie uh, had a sequel that came out in 2017. Had a a movie that came out in 2017. A sequel that came out in 2017. A sequel, I mean, yeah. So it's the first of them. That's interesting because I would have guessed something like right. That's what you're saying. It's the first of a of a franchise. Not the first of a franchise inherently. I just you know, kind of, I guess, yeah. God, I don't even know. Um, can I get another one? It takes place in outer space. Is it like a Star Trek? Is that your guess? Yeah. No. I don't know. It is the Guardians of the Galaxy. No way. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I would not have guessed that. That was that. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. 2015. 2015. I am like very, very confident that this has to be Star Wars The Force Awakens. Should have listened earlier. What do you mean? Movies that come out in December don't do well on these types of things. Oh. You're right. I mean, you're wrong. Well, for 2016, then it's Star Wars The Force Awakens. No. Um, But (laughs) how is that possible? Because it's split between the two years, basically almost evenly. It's the highest grossing uh, domestic box office in American history still. And it is not either of those years. But you don't have, well, well, I guess that is your guess for 2016, too. Well, oh, come on. I thought that's what you were insinuating. Okay, I'll give you a do-over for 2016, then. Okay. But it's not that. So 2015, you're wrong. It was Jurassic World. 
Oh my God. Which Fuck you, for- Chris Pratt. <laughs> Two straight Some years. Two straight years. The man was on a hot streak. Uh, so he, so basically 2015 Jurassic World did unbelievable numbers. Um, I don't know if you remember it. Literally like hundreds of millions, like yeah. every week for the first couple of weeks, just insane box office. Uh, so 2016, instead of counting your guess against you, I'll count that as one hint. I am, I am, I'm so mad about this quiz right now. <laughs> I told you the fact that the highest grossing movie of all time, yeah, is not an answer. The, the, well, I did warn you. The highest grossing domestic movie. Bullshit technicalities. All right, give me another hint for 2016. It's a Pixar film. Okay. Okay. What would have been Pixar? We're on 2016? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to... Trying to think here. Oh, Finding Dory. Oh my God, great pull. Was it? Yeah. Let's get it. Made over $500,000. Cool. $500 million. Okay, I was, because I was between that and, um, oh, what's the other movie? Um, I was trying, oh no, I was going to say Coco, but I think that was like later. I didn't, I think, tw- I that think that's 2018. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, I thought that was gonna be the hardest one. Cool. 2017. Can you give me a hint? It is the second movie in a trilogy. Is it the Last Jedi? It is the Last Jedi. See, so you, you only took one, so you get four there. Cool. How? Where am I at right now? I got to be like around 15, right? You're at 17. With three to go. And I oh. got to say, 2020 is going to be tough. So you're going to want to save that for only having one hand left. Uh, okay. 20, 2018. Black Panther. That's correct. Boom. Now you're in good shape. Yeah. Did very well in the box office. Cool. One of the rare movies uh, that it does so well uh, coming out as a March release, I believe it was March, February, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that it was, I think February. Basically covers for the entire rest of the year. All right, 2019. Um, Avengers Endgame. That's correct. So you got over 25. I did it. So that's good. You're 27. And 2020. Now, before we do 2020, I just want to say this: the highest. Uh, box office year ever in America is 2018. So 11.8 billion in box office. That dropped to 11.3 billion in 2019. In 2020, it was 2.1 billion. You can imagine why. Yeah. Uh, so this is a weird one. All Do right. Yeah, give me guess? one hint. Give me one hint. One hint. It is the third movie in a series. Ooh. Damn, I think that I might know this just because of that. Oh, yeah? Because this is not a movie you would think to be like a box office smash hit, right? Correct. It's a movie that 
it's the third in the installment, but the second and first movies came out earlier, much earlier. Yeah, you got close it. to each other. You got it. Can you get the full title? It's Bad Boys, isn't it? It's Bad Boys. Bad Boys for Life. For Life. There you go. Let's go. You got there. <laughs> oh, you didn't hate it as much as I thought. So you got 30 total, I think. 30 or 31. Maybe 31. Take that. Yeah. Do you want to guess as the bonus what the, the highest grossing movie so far in 2021 is? Which I think my estimation will be the highest grossing movie of the year. I don't think anything is going to pass it. Um, is it Black Widow? No. What is it? Shang-Chi. Oh, cool. Nice. It just, it just passed it. it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy myself. <sighs> people say that. I don't like the haters, though. Many people are saying this, Taylor. They come yeah. up to me and they say, Taylor, this Taylor guy, he hates these good movies. What, what, what is this about? <laughs> I do hate they're, good they're movies. Coming in, they just nonstop. They keep telling me this, Taylor. All these people. Who? Who are these people? They. The generals? They, these people come up to me. They with tears in their eyes? They stop me on the street with tears on their eyes. And they say, why does Taylor hate bad movies? They're kids. They look <laughs> why do I hate they, bad movies? <laughs> why, why does Taylor hate good movies? They, they, their kids come up to me, Taylor screaming and crying their eyes out because they can't sleep at night because they know that you had a horrible review of Shang-Chi. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's the highest grossing movie of the year. Or do they care what I think? Because you, you're important. Your opinion matters. To them? <laughs> My opinion matters to them? Yeah. yeah, I don't even, you know, opinion-wise, it's an Taylor, interesting you thing. Know, you, Taylor, you know as well as I do that families across America end their Mondays and Thursdays <laughs> sitting around their, their fire stove in their living rooms, huddled up, all listening on their dial radio to our podcast. I that's believe that's true. Yeah, we're basically doing fireside chats it, but it, for the exactly. greater Western New York area. Yeah. And instead of it being about like crucially important uh, expansion of the federal government or like World War II, mm-hmm. it's about like, I think Brandon Davidson just doesn't have the juice to be the third pairing guy, no matter who's injured. And you know Just what? That kind of take. It's takes like that that have coined you the nickname the FDR of our generation. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people are always saying that about me. Constantly, he hated Shang Chi too. <laughs> Wait, what's that? He hated Shang Chi. He did. He did. No, that's fair. I, you do have that in common. I, I will give you that. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I really. I've told you this many times, but I love cinema. I love going to the movies. I almost, when I go to the movies, I almost always have a good time. It's why I don't think I'm good at reviewing, not reviewing, but like telling people about movies right after they happen because I almost always have a good time. And then for the most part, movies either grow in my estimation or fall apart. So like using, let's say like Letterbox, which I use, most movies I see, I think of immediately as a three or three and a half in terms of stars three or three and a half stars okay and a lot of times yeah they just stay that way but a lot of movies they either rise to uh, a four from three and a half or they fall from three to two and a half in my mind i don't actually change the grades mm-hmm. but like that's usually how that happens i don't usually ever mostly have a bad time but there's exceptions like i knew when i was watching rise of skywalker i was like Ugh. I don't know, pal. That's how I knew it was bad because I was watching it being like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm getting more discerning now, but like, I don't usually if I hate a movie watching it, there's no like redeeming qualities and it gets worse. My head as time goes on. 
I don't think Shang-Chi got worse in my head as time went on. And the more I thought about it, it could have been a bad mood thing, but I think it, there's a few things I did. You were in a bad mood about. when you were on, you were out at the movies with yeah, see, I wasn't your lovely a bad mood, girlfriend, Carrie and me. No, I, w- I wasn't. Was ultimate I? trio with you. And you're going to tell me you were in a bad mood. I, I really How wasn't. Though, was because I How was dare you, sir. We were at dinner before, so I wasn't in a bad mood. So this doesn't really exactly. ex- explain it either. But I so like Black Widow. We saw Black Widow together. I could forget Black Widow the day after it happened. It was perfectly fine and watchable, but it's just like there's really nothing there. I mean, it's whatever. But like, and most people, not I shouldn't say most people, but like that's kind of how it was reviewed. There, are, Marvel fans aren't going to be like having Black Widow as a, a top five rewatching choice. Of course not. Uh, so like whatever. So I, I, that's how I think of most. Most Marvel movies, I think a lot of them kind of some some of them break through to be at least somewhat interesting. Uh, but I I think Shane she had a, a, some of the more interesting scenes, especially the the fight scene on the bus started really well. It was there's some things like that that I I really enjoy. Uh, so there's a couple of scenes like that, and the rest of it I, I don't know if it was bad enough or distinctly bad enough among Marvel to. Like, you know, like I didn't like the final battle. I never like these final battles anymore. The reason Thor Ragnarok is my favorite Marvel movie is because they were just about to have a final battle and Thor is basically like, it won't work. Let's get out of here. And that's such a, it, I, that's one of the reasons I still like that movie so much. It's just like, they're like, somehow Taika got enough juice to change the ending a little bit. Like there's still enough of a battle that the Marvel people were like, Kevin Feige gave it the thumbs up. No sky beam or anything, but like they're, uh, rainbow tunnel thing they come up in is close enough to a sky beam that he probably was satisfied but yeah i don't know shang chi is interesting maybe if i i don't know what it was that when i was watching it, i was just so annoyed i mean i was really bored during the final battle but like like i said i i don't usually like those anyway and i don't i wasn't expecting it to be a uh, masterpiece so i wasn't disappointed but yeah i just i don't know what it was i'm not gonna see it again properly but i also i don't actively hate it when i see it i don't get mad and one of the movies i really hated aside from the theory of everything eddie redmayne uh, is Gravity, uh, which I saw. I, I told that story on here already, but I still, when I see Gravity, I'm like, ah, screw Gravity. I don't like Gravity at all. But I, it's not really like that. So I would say, but I do have a, a recommendation. Do you have one as well? So I'm not just talking for like 30 yeah, you minutes. Go, you go first. You go first. Oh, all right. Uh, so I have seen 28 movies that come out, came out in 2021 uh, so far. And my take is that three of them have been exceptional enough to like comment on. Most of them have been fine. It wasn't a great summer for movies. October is going to be great. Let's get to October, folks. But the three movies that I would recommend to someone, anyone, anyone who really likes movies, are The Card Counter, which is still in theaters if you can find it, Pig, starring Nicolas Cage, and by the way, The Card Counter starting starring Oscar Isaac, great actor. Pig, and then uh, No Sudden Move, which on HBO Max. Uh, other than that, you know, some of them are fine. <laughs> some of these other movies are okay. Fair and enough. yeah, the worst movie I saw this year was Woodstock 99. It was a documentary. Everything else has uh, at least been fine. Yeah, I remember we talked about that one. I didn't even watch it because of how bad of a review you had of it. That one I took to heart. <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm not going to waste my time. You don't understand. Misogyny was invented at Woodstock 99, <laughs> and it still plagues us to this day. <laughs> oh, man. 
Well, all right. My uh, recommendations then I, so for, again, our new listeners, the vast majority of the time, Taylor, would you agree that you usually do movies and I do music for the most part? I feel like. Yeah. That's kind of our realms of expertise. Um, I'm going to do two recommendations for one. I just want to do a quick TV one because I don't know if you've been watching Taylor, but since we were talking about Marvel, what if uh, the new animated show that they've been putting out, which is essentially like a bunch of different scenarios of like alternate realities of like, if, you know, different events happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what the outcome of those events would then be. Um, <clears throat> the most recent episode was actually really interesting. If it was, it was if Thor was an only child. So if Odin never took Loki and Loki like grew up as like a frost giant, um, but it was focused on Thor and it was so much fun. They had, I think like 95% of the Thor cast and like extended cast was in it. Like Natalie Portman, even, I mean, she's of course going to be in Thor love and thunder, which is coming out mm. in March, I believe, but she even did the voice acting for Jane in it. Um, which was really cool. Uh, Darcy, what is her name? The um, woman who plays Darcy. Kat, uh, Dennings. Kat, Dennings. Kat Dennings. Yeah. She was in it. Like they had everybody. It was really cool. Crazy twist at the end that I think is about to set up the next couple of episodes before the end of this first season. But I think it's just a really cool concept. It's been a lot of fun. I, definitely some pretty dark stuff has actually happened in some of the episodes. Have you have you caught any of it, Taylor? I have not. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's like something different. And like the episodes are like only like a half hour. So it's pretty digestible. But my music recommendation, though, I usually for these like to do a mix between more popular stuff that's maybe like relevant for whatever reason or stuff that maybe you don't know. I'm going to do a recommendation of a very, very popular album. One of the most popular albums of the late 20th century, actually. And it would be the score by the Fugees because the Fugees just reunited for the first time, I think since like 2004, on stage with each other. Um, even Lauren Hill showed up, who is like the goat wow. on my Mount Rushmore of, of like best rappers. Lauren Hill, I think she's awesome. Um, but she actually showed up too. And they performed, of course, as Lauren Hill always is famously, she I think was like three hours late for this performance. Well, like they went on three hours <laughs> late. Um, but there were no phones or anything, so there was no video, but all of the reviews of the concert were just like out of this world. Like people were just praising the hell out of it. And so this year celebrates 25 years since the score's release. It was put out in 1996. Um, tons of popular songs on it that you all have definitely heard, Ready or Not. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, oh my God. I mean, the score. Oh, obviously the most popular song too, Killing Me Softly with this song. So really, really great album. And I have pretty much for like the entirety of 2021 have just been in general on like a pretty big Lauren Hill kick uh, with just like, I, I listen to a lot of like the miseducation of Lauren Hill, but um, yeah, really great album. So that is my recommendation for the week. And another thing that we always do to round out our episodes along with recommendations is we do our random savers player of the episode where we just come up with a guy. We are reminded uh, frequently of that one tweet that went viral earlier this year where it was like, dudes could have the best time for several hours just naming old sports players from when they <laughs> God damn it, if that's not the most true thing ever. And so we like to do that where we end each episode, every single episode. We stopped a little bit once uh, we got into the summer. But if you go back, any of our episodes that we've done, we always do our random Sabres player of the episode and invite our guests to do them as well. So Taylor, let me ask you, to kick off season three, who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Dixon Ward. Ooh, baby. 
I'm going to go with our boy, Yuri Novotny. Oh, hell yeah. Want to send the people off with a great stat for the week? Do it. The Bills currently are leading the AFC with 94 points for. In the same division, the Jets are last in the AFC with 20 points for. Wow. You truly love to see it. You know what else the Bills are leading the NFL in right now? Um, Most likely to win the motherfucking Super Bowl. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and checking out all of our fellow podcasts on the network. Again, for those of you who may be new listeners, the Hockey Podcast Network is comprised of 32 teams for 32 shows, along with a ton of other great shows and content that are all focused on all things NHL. So if you are interested in any of the other teams across the league and want to get an inside perspective at those teams from people who are right in the markets and keeping up with them day to day, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows on the Hockey Podcast Network. And make sure you are checking out also our new co-presenter of this podcast, The Charging Buffalo. As we had said, there are a ton, 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 ton of great folks over at The Charging Buffalo who are putting out incredible content, both podcasts, articles, and also who are just really great Twitter followers. And I know we had mentioned a few and Jared and then our buds also, Bill and Walt. But even on top of that, from prospect coverage to -to day-to-day coverage of the team, The Charging Buffalo is where it's at for all your Sabres coverage. And now that we are part of the Charging Buffalo, we can officially say that too. It's where it's at. So make sure you're checking them out. All the podcasts, make sure you're checking out their articles online. And we will be sharing tons of content from over from the Charging Buffalo over the coming months and through the season. And we, again, are just so, so happy to be a part of the talented crew there. Also, we want to just give another shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings at checkout. Make sure you are using promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. Again, football season is in full swing. Hockey season is going to be coming up. Basketball is coming up. Baseball playoffs are coming up. So make sure if you are just trying to spend money and more likely than not lose it, make sure you do it through DraftKings because that's where it's at. Use that promo code THPN at checkout. Once again, everybody, we will be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. We'll have more Sabres coverage for you. We'll talk a little bit more about our new partnership with the Charging Buffalo, and we'll have a whole bunch more on top of that too. So make sure if you aren't already, subscribe to this podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Straight Sabres, and then make sure you also find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. Thank you all so much for listening. We are so excited for the season that's coming ahead. We will talk to you very soon. Have a great start to your week.